Yeah, if you can go to the Grace Life Conference, it would really be good. It's really just the, like the foundations of living. Uh, well, it's Galatians 2.20, Christ in me. You know, it's no longer I, but Christ in me. And uh, that's really how the Christian life is meant to be lived. And and old Dan, he's he's a unique character who has a really great way of really communicating that where people can catch it. So if you're not walking in grace, baby, you're really not walking in New Testament Christianity. Amen? And, you know, if you want to get a word from the Lord, that life group would be a good place to go to get words. And if you want to learn how to give words, because I think a part of what they're going to be doing is helping people learn how to release the prophetic on other people. Amen? Whoo! Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to read Revelations 4, verse 5. And this morning I'm going to talk to you about the spirit of knowledge and reverential fear of the Lord which is really, really key, I believe, in this hour. But I wanted to read this and and show you a picture. It says, From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, thunderings, and voices. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? That's what's coming from the throne of God. So, uh, man, Lord, let us us start hearing that. Amen? I believe, you know, in these... This hour, these hours we're coming into, we're going to start here being more and more connected to what's coming from the throne. Uh, and that's really what God the Father would really want for us this morning. Then it says, Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Amen. The seven spirits of God are burning before the throne of God. And I'll just give you a quick review. I've been trying to go through the set, what the seven spirits of God are. If you haven't been here, uh, again, it's not seven Holy Spirits. It's seven is a, a term of completeness. And that's what in the last days, book of Revelations is, is about the end times. Of course, we don't really understand most of it. <laughs> Probably don't understand any of it really, right? <laughs> yeah, amen. But... It, that's where the seven spirits of God really uh, is first uh, revealed is in the book of Revelation. And so in the end days, I believe that's what is communicating to us that in the last days that God is going to reveal a fullness of the Holy Spirit that we haven't seen yet. Uh, and, the, and so the Holy Spirit is brooding over the church like He brooded over the earth, I believe, I feel like some people are connecting with that, brooding of the Spirit of God. Uh, you know, that's a term that farmers know. Um, a chicken broods over her hens because she cares for them and loves them and, and nur- wants to nurture them. And, and so the Bible tells us in the beginning the Spirit of God brood- brooded over the earth because the Father was about to do something. And He was there to prepare that atmosphere and so I feel like he wants us my goal and what I'm doing on this is the goal is that we would have a relationship with the Holy Spirit okay and he's not just a dispenser of gifts and I think that somehow people have made him that unconsciously we and we've We've not respected the Holy Spirit. Well, he told me that. He's told me that he's not respected and honored the way the Father and the Son are. The problem with that is this. He is equal to the Father and Son. He, the Holy Spirit, is God. And he wants to be treated like God. He wants to be loved. Okay? He wants to be obeyed. And so I believe it's really critical for us to begin to, to understand Him like that and to know what His heart is because He is the one who, if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, He's the only one that can enable that relationship. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. If you're going to understand and walk in a revelation of the Father's love, which we just, you know, we're just so in love with the Father's love, right? I mean, that's just like a major motivating factor in our lives. That cannot happen apart from the Holy Spirit. And so my, my dream for me is to 
know him on a more personal level. Um, you know, years ago there was a book by Dr. Cho, Youngie Cho, who uh, was the pastor of the largest church in the world over in uh, South Korea. And the name of the book was The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. And uh, it's a tremendous book, uh, you know, to read. Um, and there was another book by Benny Hinn called Good Morning, Holy Spirit, which I thought was also a tremendous, tremendous book to read. These, uh, and these were people trying to release some revelation of the Holy Spirit in the earth, okay, and to have a better, better understanding of who He is and what He is and what He means to us. And so I've done a lot of repenting in the last few months in my own life once the Holy Spirit visited me and began to talk to me personally about my relationship with Him. And it's really helped me to really put a focus on the Holy Spirit because the more I focus on Him, the more the person of Christ and the, and the Father become come into my focus because that's what He's doing. He's trying to focus us on on the on the Father and Son, you know, just having a relationship with the Trinity, okay, that's my simple way, instead of saying Father, Son, I just say, well, I want to be with the Trinity, amen, and so this is a very powerful scripture, uh, Bob Hare uh, reminded me, of, will you put that menorah up there, uh, Denise, he brought this to my attention, this is, a, the, this is what was in the tabernacle of Moses, and I think it's a beautiful representation of that Revelations 4, 5, of the seven, seven lamps burning. I love that word burning. There's a burning coming in the earth. God's going to bring a burning. And have you, have you had your heart to burn? Have you had your heart to burn? I tell you, if you haven't, give, give the Lord a chance to cause your heart. And many times in the Bible, the burning hearts seem to come after a time of struggle, after a time of disappointment, after a time of failure, when people begin, when, when, when God begins to talk to us, and many times we're not aware that it's Him. This is the road to Emmaus, of course. Not, we're not aware of this person talking to us, okay, until after the fact, kind of. And then we start realizing there was something in me that... And so God really wants to, to release a burning in the earth, I believe. And, it's the, and this it's, has to do with these seven spirits of God. But if you see in the middle, there's that middle middle piece of the candle. This is a this was actually located uh, physically in the tabernacle of Moses, Uh, and this thing was burning all the time. Um, But in the middle is the main stem. Uh, It's the spirit of the Lord, and out of that spirit, in the spirit of the Lord, everything is fed from the spirit of the Lord. Okay, everything that's where the oil. Literally, in the, in the physically, the oil flowed down the center and fed these branches, and you can see the branches are the, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the reverential fear of the Lord, or the spirit of all, as like I like to call it. It's, it's, but everything comes out of this revelation of the spirit of the Lord. And in, in one of the other scriptures, I think it's in Revelation three, when Jesus was speaking to one of the church. It says, it speaks of Jesus saying, He who has the seven spirits. And so Jesus walked in a fullness of the Holy Spirit uh, on the earth. And that's really His dream for us. It's for us to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, meaning the seven spirits of God worked and functioned in His life all the time. And He declared in Luke 4.18 when He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to preach, the, you know, the captives free, opening blind eyes, releasing the prisoners. And so I believe everything flows out of the Spirit of the Lord. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And then what I believe, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel, might, Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, is what he does. That's the operation of the Spirit that he wants to, to release in fullness. That does not diminish in my mind, anyway, the gifts of the Spirit, okay? I mean, you know, we love the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm just saying there's more. There's something beyond that. There's something greater than that that God wants to bring us into. 
And, you know, we were reminded recently about Arthur Burke's famous saying, the greater includes the lesser. And when we become, when we, when we come into a revelation of, of the seven spirits of God and begin to walk in it, that's the greater. And then all these other aspects of the Holy Spirit will begin to, they'll just come with it. They come with the package. You know, so it won't be a focus on, on gifts. It won't be a focus on this or a focus on that. It'll be a focus on the Spirit of the Lord and what the Spirit of the Lord does. I'm not saying I'm there, but my goal is to help us get there. Amen? And so I wanted to read that first scripture again. Uh, I mean, the Isaiah 11, you know, I've read it a bunch. So we should have this memorized, right? Uh, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Don't you love the language of the Bible? A rod from the stem of Jesse. Of course, Jesse was King David's dad. Uh, and, and the Bible really, you know, the Bible honors that. Okay? The Bible honors Jesse. Okay? Because he was the dad of, of King David. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Talking about rest, okay? The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And there's some other scriptures that go with that, but I'm not going to take the time to read them this morning. Um, So he's inviting us into relationship with him. And he's revealing himself, I believe, right here, in Isaiah 11, these aspects of himself, so we can say those are the aspects, and he's inviting every person into that relationship with him to begin to know him on these levels, begin to get, get, get an understanding of allowing him to come into our life and begin to rest upon us. Okay, in the happen to Jesus, the picture the Bible gives us is awesome, in uh, Mark 1, 9 through 11, when Jesus was baptized, one of the things that happened to him was a dove, in the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove rested upon Jesus. That's when the Spirit of the Lord literally came and found a home on the person of Christ. And so within us, we have the Holy Spirit, right? If you're born again. But He also wants to rest on people. Not only does he want to rest on individuals, I personally believe that there's congregations that the Lord wants to settle upon. I'm talking about a congregation of people. In fact, I believe in the end that's a more fuller revelation. But he wants each one of us to walk it in on a personal level. And so when, we, when a group of people who are walking in this come together and the Spirit of the Lord is allowed to come and rest, He's allowed to come and rest. And that's what we want. We want to let Him come and rest upon us. Boy, I took a long time saying all that, didn't I? I'm just really, I'm, I'm, I believe in this. I mean, big time. I wanted to read Proverbs 23, 3 through 4, and just sort of give you a picture here. It says, through wisdom, this is talking about the spirit of wisdom. Through wisdom a house is built. A house is built. Think, house, think of this. What's your house? It's you. It's you personally. It's your family. It's your, your immediate family. It's your, it's your business if you're a business person. It's your ministry if you're a minister. Through wisdom, through the spirit of wisdom, that's how God builds. And that's so we want to begin to really tap in to what we do in this life through the spirit of wisdom, to be able to build the things that he's called us to build. And then it, but it does, then it goes, and by understanding, it is established. So you can build something. Has anybody ever seen a house that's been built but never occupied? Lately, there's been a lot of those, right? Because, you know, because of the bubble that busted, there's a lot of the homes that were built, and they just sat there. And people came in and stole the copper out of the air conditioning units or whatever, you know. Uh, But I've seen some houses that were built and set for years. They were never established. No one ever lived in them. And guess what happened to the house? It just fell in. You ever notice anything you have, like a car or house, anything like that, if you don't use it, it goes downhill. You know, know, if you have a car and you just leave it setting, it starts starts going down. You'd think opposite. But the use of something causes it to to really function. Um... Establish is a great word. It means to set up on a permanent basis. 
to set up on how would you like for what God has called you to do and be to be set up on a permanent basis? Well, it's the spirit of understanding that causes that to happen. And then it says, uh, by knowledge, by the spirit of knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. That's how you're going to fill your house. Now, you think you can think however you want to on that. Okay, everybody thinks different. Okay, it can be, it can be natural, pleasant riches. If you're a grandparent, probably one of the things that immediately come to your mind is your grandchildren. Right? Grandparent, I mean, that's what I mean to me. That's a pleasant rich is having my grandchildren around me. I'm, that's to me is important. Okay? It, to me, it's more important than the natural riches. Although, I'll take some natural riches. Okay? Right? Anyways, that's what we want. We want our house filled, whatever that means. Now, uh, I think it's important to know. Uh, I wanted to read Proverbs 10 22. This is really a key. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Isn't that a powerful scripture? He has no sorrow with it. In other words, the spirit of knowledge, when the spirit of knowledge begins to work in your life, and, and say he decides to bring riches, I mean financial blessings upon your life, the, you desperately need the other part of that, the spirit of the all, all of God to come into your life. Because otherwise... Financial riches can be a curse to people, right? I mean, you can be cursed by something that's meant to be a blessing. But when we're walking in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, those things are not going to, to be a negative to you. They will be, it'll be a pleasant thing to you. It'll be a blessed thing to you. And it won't bring harm into your home. It'll be filled with pleasant. That's what it said there. And pleasant, with precious and pleasant riches. That's a blessing from the Lord. And that's really how God really wants the people, His people to have this. He wants us to begin to... And see, I believe the seven spirits of God, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit, can begin to bring that in all of our lives. So this is a very practical, very useful day in and day out thing once we begin to see it. It's not, you know, it's just not something that's out there that's sort of so spiritual you can't put your hands on it can impact your life on every level totally and fully. Totally and fully. Are y'all following that? Now, I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Are y'all okay this morning? I had to say that. I want to read this. This is a really wonderful scripture here. It says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Amen? And so some of us, this is what you need to do. You need to start renouncing the spirit of the world that's operating in your life. Because you can see the spirit of the world on people. You can see believers that have the spirit of the world working on them. There's something not good about it. And you, you need to begin to say, no, I'm rejecting that spirit. I don't want that operating in my life because I haven't received that. That's something I reje I'm rejecting. And when you begin to reject it, you know... When Jesus rebuked the Spirit in the Bible, a lot of people don't know this because you hear people rebuking, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That is not what rebuke means. He didn't use that term. He would say ugly things about like, you're a stinking spirit. You're ugly. You're stupid. Get away. That was a rebuke. That's literally what it means. Did y'all know that? So you can begin to tell that Spirit of the world, wow, you're, you're, such a, you're a stench. You, you stink. I can't stand you. And I'm going to tell you, demons are ate up with pride. They can't stand to be insulted. They don't want to be around insults. You know? They don't want people downgrading them and talking bad about them. And so it's not just saying, I rebuke you. It is literally telling them, you, I, don't, I don't really want anything to do with you. I can't stand you. I mean, get out of my life. Get away from me. I hate you when you come around. I mean, I just totally despise you. And when you begin to do that, they feel rebuked. They feel admonished. And they're so full of, full of pride in their hearts, they don't want to be around you. That's really the truth. But the Spirit, but we have not received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That's talking about the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Listen, that we might know. That word know means become aware of. That we might become aware of. Now, I want to tell you something. Just because you're aware of something doesn't mean you have it. it. Here's a good picture. It's like being in a dark house. 
And somebody turns the light on and suddenly you see everything around you just going on. Like, oh, well, there's, there's where the stage is. I'm not going to trip over the stage. And, but it doesn't mean you possess it. A lot of Christians think, here's a lot of Christians. Okay, let me just tell you one of my things. We have been given everything in the Spirit. We possess everything in our spirit. But in our souls, in our natural lives, we do not. Okay? Becoming aware of something is the first step. That's the first step. So you can know what's been given to you by God. And once you know what He's given you, then you can begin to get the spirit of wisdom and understanding on how to possess and walk out and live out what's been given to you. Are you following that? That is a real huge distinction. Otherwise, you have a lot of proudful talk. People saying one thing with their mouths, but their lives are completely opposite. And that really doesn't do the body of Christ a whole lot of good. Well, you just heard one of my pet peeves. We would become aware of the things that have been freely given to us by God. So, um, that's the spirit of knowledge at work revealing the things that have been freely given. And we need the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of all to be able to walk in all these things, to be able to totally, fully walk them out. Y'all got that? All right, now I'm going to read. They've given me so much time here this morning. This is terrible, you know, because I have 140 pages of notes <laughs> literally I have 28 hours <laughs> on this because it's just one continual but I'm, not, I'm just messing with you I do have a lot of pages okay somebody tell me to turn to speak it off when it's time okay right, I want to read this is a, such a powerful scripture and, and it's, it's a great New Testament example of the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of all working together. It's the time in uh, John 1, it's verse 43 through 51. It has to do with Jesus and his conversation with Philip and Nathaniel. It says, The following day Jesus went, wanted to go to, Galilee, go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now that's an awesome thing, right? Follow me. So Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, this is crazy, this doesn't make a bit of sense in the world to me when you read it like, is there some other conversation that happened here? Okay, I mean, he said, follow me. And so he goes and finds his brother. Okay, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In other words, what he was telling his brother, we have found the Messiah. And all we know is Jesus said two words to him, follow me. The next thing you know, he's out evangelizing. Saying, hey, we found this dude. And this is who he is, but he's the one that the whole Bible has told us about. Okay? I just think that's crazily crazy, okay? And I wish I knew that there were some other conversations that went on. But as far as we know, at this point, Jesus had not done one miracle, Right? We don't know about a miracle. It was in the next chapter, right? When he started doing miracles. So right now, Jesus was just talking. Okay? Follow me. There had to be some juice on those two words. I mean some serious juice. I mean, it was probably one of those days, follow me, and he probably got slain in the Spirit for hours. He was probably manifested and barking like a dog and howling like a moon and got up and said, there's only one person in the world could do that and it has to be the Messiah. You know, because I'm not going for this stuff. You know, I'm not believing in this stuff, but he did this just by saying, follow me. So there was some atmosphere of heaven that was getting released to do that. Okay, why was this atmosphere getting released? Because the Spirit of the Lord was working. You know, otherwise it's just a guy talking. Because Jesus probably had lots of conversations with people and they didn't go get their brother like, we found him. I love that. Don't you love the Lord? So he went and found his brother and Nathaniel said to him, dude, can anything 
good come out of Nazareth? I mean, really, you know, Nazareth was a bad place in those days. Anybody who came from Nazareth was not considered to be a good person. Literally, it was not a good... So the brother was like, I'm just really, I'm just not convinced. You know, no Messiah's going to come from there. Now, Philip was a wise dude, okay? He didn't enter into some kind of theological debate and discussion. He didn't get the Old Testament out and start trying to prove to his brother, okay, and giving him a bunch of hogwash, man's thinking, some intellectual discussion to prove to him that this guy was the Messiah. This is a great Great uh, way to do evangelism, right? We need the power of God working to get people saved. So his, Philip said, well, hey, listen, you just come and see for yourself. That's what he said. Just, just come check the dude out. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just check him out. Just check him out. Now, that's wisdom. He weren't going to try to convince, forget that. I'm not having no argument with you. I'm not going to go through some four points of something, you know, that I don't really understand myself, but somebody told me, you know, and I'm going to read it down and hopefully you'll get it, you know. Just come and see. Not, you know, the Lord, Lord, help us, right? Help us, Lord, right? Help us. Help us. When we, we begin to share Christ and we, we get doubt, we'll just come and see. We've got something to show you. You know, we've got an atmosphere to give you. we got something besides words, okay? We've got something working spiritual. We've got some power that's being released, some atmosphere from heaven that will be undeniable to you. And then you'll have to make your decision from that point, right? So... So there he was, come and see. And then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him. So he responded to his brother, like, okay, I will go check this dude out. Prove to you, Philip, once again, you don't know what you're talking about like you never knew what you was talking about. Can you just imagine two brothers having that discussion? You don't know what you're talking about. I can tell you all the times you were wrong, but I'll go do it just to keep you, brother, my good brother, Philip, happy. I like to, you know, create a picture in my mind when I read the scripture of brothers interacting. And so Jesus said, all right, Jesus saw the hand coming towards him and said to him, Behold, don't you love that? You know, in our terms, like, look! <laughs> you know, there's nothing sacred about behold, right? <laughs> look! <laughs> look, there's John! <laughs> An Israelite Indeed, in whom is no deceit. See, right at that moment, when Jesus saw him, he looked right into that man's heart. See, that guy had a heart, had a really good heart. Didn't have a good mind, but he had a good heart. Okay, his heart, there was no deceit in it. He was a right guy. He was, he was a guy who lived in truth. And Jesus looked right into his heart and said that. Okay, and Nathaniel said to me, how do you know me? How do you know that? Okay. Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, okay, isn't this so cool? Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Isn't that cool? All of a sudden, now this doesn't really make sense to me, I'll be honest with you. All of a sudden, this guy, how do you know me? This guy, can good anything come out of Nazareth? All of a sudden, Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Isn't that powerful? Something had to happen in this conversation that we don't see. Right? How many people in this room have gotten ministry when somebody says something about us that only God would know? You know? This guy is falling on his knees and says, You're the Messiah! Because you said, I didn't have any deceit in my heart. And you saw me under a fig tree. <laughs> Suddenly, you shifted from being a no good guy from Nazareth to being God. Right? I mean, that's really what was happening there. You've got to see this. This was not, this is a conversation. 
that you've probably had with people that you've given them stuff. But the difference was this. There was an atmosphere shift. When Jesus said that, something happened. Something that profoundly touched that man deeply, as deep as he could be touched. As deep as he could be touched. And he knew instinctively, deep down inside, this is no ordinary man talking to me. This is God himself talking to me. He knew it. And it was because Jesus released something. I believe it was because them seven spirits of God were working on Jesus. It wasn't... Now, I'm telling you, I want you to get this. I think a word of knowledge is awesome. But I think the spirit of knowledge... Because that's what Jesus gave this guy. He gave him a word of knowledge. He gave him information that was hidden... From Jesus. Jesus didn't know. I didn't know he was, you know, I didn't know where he was sitting. I couldn't say, Don, I saw you when you were sitting in your recliner. You know, yesterday. Well, Byron, I was playing golf yesterday, son. (laughs) (laughs) And so you see what happened was this. This is what happened. It's when Jesus released that word to him, okay, he not only got touched by the spirit of knowledge, he also got touched by the spirit of awe. The spirit of the fear of the Lord. And that's those two working together that really created this response in this guy. And so what we've seen is we've seen a restoration of like words of knowledge, words of wisdom, but we haven't really seen that restoration, I don't think, yet of the spirit of all. When the spirit of all enters a room. I remember Arthur Burke telling us these stories about the spirit of all uh, when he was a young man. He's old now, he's 101. But I remember him saying, well, let me just tell you this story, okay? This is a great story. I remember this story as long as I live. Arthur Burt was a pastor in this church over in England, okay? And there was these two girls that sat at the back of the church and irritated him to no end, two young girls, because they weren't listening to his message ever. They would pass notes back and forth to each other, chew chewing gum and stick it up under the pew, you know, and he'd have to go clean it. And he just really had some difficulties with those girls. Well, long story short, Arthur left the church, did some other things, and heard that there was a move of God in the church. Okay? So he wants to go back to this church that he was the former pastor of to see what God was doing there because he heard this powerful move of God. Says he gets to the door of the church and opens it, and the power of God just knocks him back. This glory came out. Came out. Okay, so he went on into the church, and it was like the presence of God had just totally charged this atmosphere. And lo and behold, to Arthur Burt's dismay, there was these two girls ministering. And it happened to be those two girls who chewed chewing gum and passed notes to each other that he just couldn't hardly deal with. Literally. And they were walking around with their eyes closed, and they would walk to a person. And say something, if you don't repent, God is going to reveal the secrets of your heart. And I know some people might have a hard time with that theologically. But as Arthur said, the pastor's over there hiding under the piano. (laughs) On his face. Begging God, (laughs) repenting. Well, Arthur was sitting there and they would, with their eyes closed, started walking towards him. So he'd get up and move. And they would go, they would shift. Literally, he said, this happened. Okay? And the reason the atmosphere in there was like that, it was the spirit of all. It was the spirit of the reverential fear of the Lord had came and rested in that church. And God's presence was so powerfully there. It wasn't that God was out to condemn people because of their hidden secrets and bad things. He was trying to free them. But the spirit of all was saying, we're going to deal ruthlessly with the things that are holding the people of God back. And there's spiritual, there's scriptural precedence for God dealing ruthlessly to free people, not ruthlessly to hurt His people, but to free His people and heal His people. I'm not suggesting we try to pull that kind of stuff off. You know, rebuking people, hammering people, threatening people. I don't really believe in that. But i tell you something, if the Spirit of all comes, it ain't going to be us doing it. In fact... I'll be honest with you. I would be over there under the piano. 
I would be like, Lord, you know, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Because I ain't no fool, Lord. I mean, so, now here's the key. On, I've told you all this. this. This is really the Lord. But here's the key. Here's something I think we need to get. Is, is I've, We've preached on this lots of times. I never really thought about it like this, though, on First uh, John 1, these next two verses, which I believe, this is a little bit off the subject, but it is on the subject. I believe these, like, two are, the, like, the keys for us. If you, a lot of people really suffer with this open heaven thing, okay? That, you know, like, I'm not, I don't feel that, I don't connect, I don't, you know, blah, blah. And here's the truth, though. Here's the problem with a lot of people. And the reason I can say this is a problem, it was my problem for years is this, Jesus gave this man a very simple thing. Well, I just saw you under a fig tree. And that man responded to that little thing, that little bitty word, that little teeny nothing word. He responded and and responded in belief. Okay? You get that? And guess what Jesus said? See, Jesus gave us the secret. To, have, to really live in under open heaven, to really begin to experience the open heaven. Jesus answered, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? Do you believe? Just, I said, that was a little, what's a fig tree? It's nothing. What's a, a music stand? He could have said, I saw you standing at the music stand. Well, that's great, Lord. Thank you for that. No. He, there was something, there was a transaction that took place. And Jesus said, because I did that, then he says, you will see greater things than these. Do you see that? Are you getting this? If you really want to see greater things, you've got to be able to start with the little thing. You've got to respond to the teeny thing. That's the secret. You want to get around people who are really super spiritual? Watch them. This is what they always do. You tell them something little, and they're like, wow, that's amazing, Byron. That is awesome. They're over here talking about some major encounter of the Lord. You're talking about the Lord just, you know, blessing you with a song one morning. And they're making a big deal out of it because to them, everything God does is a big deal. Everything, every little word they respond to. I tell you, you get around uh, Bob Jones. I was shocked when I was like, really? You think that's big, Bob? All that stuff you were saying and you think that little thing I said was big? It is big. Because it's God. And so he said this. He said, you're going to see greater things. Most assuredly, I say most assuredly, this is what Jesus, I tell you this, this is going to really happen in your life. Because you responded in the little moment, something big's going to happen. You, I say to you, hereafter you will see heavens open. That's it. You will experience an open heaven because you believed a little thing. You didn't sit there and debate. You didn't sit there and have a logical discussion. You just believed what I said. And because you believed a little thing, you're going to see an open heaven. You're going to experience what you were meant to experience. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's powerful. And I believe that's, to me, you see, the reason I'm saying this it's for years of my Christian life, I didn't really understand that. I, it was, you know what I'm saying? I didn't really get that thing. I wanted to debate God about anything He said to me. Any word that was given to me, I had some logical reason it couldn't happen. Literally. I can remember talking to God about stuff. Him speaking to me like, well, Lord, you know, how are you going to do this? I don't see how this can work. And, you know, nine reasons instead of just saying, yes, Lord, I believe that. I agree with you, Lord. And But once I started doing that, that's when the shift started happening for me. That's when things started picking up for me spiritually. That's when I began to realize every drop from heaven is precious. Every drop. I don't care if it's a little drop, big drop. If it's a drop from heaven, I want it. And I'm not going to be little. Somebody giving me a word and saying, Byron, I saw you and Becky fussing. (laughs) It was Becky fussing, not me. I was just sitting there listening. (laughs) Tell you that right now, Lord. You know she fusses at me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm not saying nothing. Whew, mercy, Lord. (laughs) 
<laughs> I call those two verses the gold standard of revelation. And I'm just telling you, this is, I believe this is what God wants us to really be able to begin to take a long look at our hearts about things. See, a lot of people in this room, y'all, I mean, y'all should be soaring by now. You know, I mean, truthfully, it's hot. Oh, flying. I thought you said it was hot. I'm hot. I was going to agree with you. Yeah. And it's because we, we argue with things. We debate things. We look, we'll wait and see kind of mentality. We'll wait and see. Well, let me tell you one more little great story that really impacted my life. Is uh, we were in church one one Sunday and uh, and the Lord was really moving. This is years ago, and uh, but I was in a discouraged state in my life really at that point. I don't know what I was discouraged about then. I mean, I could give you like a ninety page <laughs> dissertation on how to be a discouraged Christian <laughs> and all the things that discouraged me in my life. And while I would go to church and sit there and don't feel like God's going to ever do anything and talk to me until my friend looked at me when the Lord was really moving and walked back there and pointed his finger at me and said, Look at you! Sit there with your arms folded, boy! Get up from there! And he grabbed me and jerked me up and said, Get them arms down and start believing God! Literally, that happened to me. It was humiliating. But it was one of the best days of my life because at that moment I made a decision. I'm either going with this or going out the door. Amen. And I decided I'm going with this. Amen. I'm just going to go with this. I'm not going to sit there and be a skeptic. Well, I don't know if that's the Lord. That's just emotions. All that junk. I let God into my heart that day in a way. Are you Okay. I'm telling you, it was a little thing. It was a little thing. A little thing. And everything turns on a little thing. The biggest doors in the world turn on little bitty hinges. They really do. And we get the places in our life where God really wants to reveal Himself. And you can be so full of disappointment and so full of discouragement. You know about things that didn't work, this and that, but then God comes with another little thing and you're going to sit back there with your arms folded and looking down, you know, with that look. And guess what? You can spend your Christian life like that. I, I did for years. And it's not a good Christian life. It's not the Christian life the Bible describes. So decisions were made to start believing and to, to believe in the little thing. And to quit arguing with God about it and just let God. And once I did that, I started getting accelerated by the Lord. And God began to bring people into my life at that point that began to speak life to me. Because I could hear them. And begin to encourage me and talk to me. Before that, I felt kind of like, you know, isolated, lonely, Left out, looking on the outside, looking in all the time. Couldn't figure out how to get in. Really, I was in. I just, my mind was telling me something else. You know what I'm saying? All right, you, you got a couple more minutes? Yeah. I just want to read this one thing about prophecy. First uh, Corinthians 14. You know, where Paul goes through the deal about tongues and prophecies and, you know, about the superiority of prophecy over tongues which we definitely believe that. I mean, I definitely believe that. But that does not dismiss speaking in tongues, right? right. You know. You know. Some things are just better than other things, but you don't throw the, the lesser thing out the window, right? The greater includes the lesser. So I really want to encourage people to speak in tongues a lot. I mean, seriously. That's what Paul said. I, I, I also pray in the natural. He's talking about I pray in the tongues. I also pray in the natural. In other words, he prayed a lot in tongues. And oh yeah, by the way, I do pray in the natural some too. And in other words, what he was saying, this is what he was trying to tell us. I pray in tongues more than I do with my natural language. That's what he was trying to tell us. And things happen in your life when you pray in tongues a lot. And you can pray in tongues anywhere. You can pray in tongues. This is the secret people don't need to know. They're, they're talking to me, and I'm sitting there praying in tongues. You can do that. 
Especially when they're telling you stuff you don't want to hear. Like, oh. Or you're saying, Lord, I don't really know what to say to this person, but I'm just going to be praying and, you know, maybe what I say won't have anything to do with what they're talking about, but it will certainly be something that you want to say to them. And so, but what happens, the Bible says, it builds your spirit up. It charges your spirit. You get charged. You get built up on the inside so they can be a release. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what I've noticed when I do it a lot. Here's what, how I f- what I've noticed a lot. is I've noticed a lot more peace in what I say. Okay, a lot more peace. There's a more peaceable response. Even when I'm thinking like, and then you say something like, oh gosh, that didn't really line up with what I wanted to say. It's because your spirit is built up and is strong in you. Okay? And I really want to encourage you guys about that because it's really, it's really important or it wouldn't be there. It wouldn't be in the Word. And Paul really was trying to encourage me. And I know a lot of people have a lot of issues about speaking in tongues, but you know what? Get over it. It's in the Bible. Just do what the Bible tells you. If you can't speak in tongues, ask God, I want to do this. Listen, this is what happened to me. I didn't know Jack. I just got saved. I didn't know nothing about speaking in tongues or speaking with good English, for that matter, which I still haven't figured out. But I, I tell you, I know I've told this story before. I watched a message, and the guy said, three things you need to grow, do, have to grow spiritually. One, you need to get saved. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two, you need to get baptized in order. Yes. Three, you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Huh? I never heard about that one. What is that? Nobody told me what it was. I went home. I said, I don't know what this is, Lord, but I want to grow spiritually, so will you baptize me in the Holy Spirit so I can speak in tongues? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. What in the world was that? (laughs) And so I started doing this thing. And I can speak in tongues at will because I have a will. People say, well, you know, they think God's going to take over and do something. That ain't true. God give you a will. You can do whatever you want to do. If you want to speak in tongues, you can. That's why Paul says, I do both. I sing both. I have a will. I decide what I'm going to do. You got that. So you exercise your will to speak in tongues. I don't know why I'm saying all this. And I know some people are probably offended fire all day long. But I don't, you know, I just think, you know, this is going to help you. Believe me, it will help you. And, you know, I remember one time hearing this preacher talking about speaking in tongues. He said, at the hour mark, something happens. I thought, hour mark? Are you kidding me? Hour mark? But I'll tell you the truth. At the hour mark, something really does happen. You switch into another gear almost. I don't know exactly, but I'm just saying, about three hours in, you know something's going on. You know, so you could have a day. I'm going to have a day of speaking in tongues. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to speak in tongues and I'm going to mow the grass. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to load the dishwasher. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to watch the golf on television and speak in tongues while I'm watching. I'm just going to speak in tongues all day long. And then by the end of the day, you'll notice that something happened in you. You might want to rest and have a glass of water or, you know, eat and, you know, all that's acceptable. <laughs> But if I'll prophesy and an unbeliever or uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. That's the word of knowledge being released. This person's getting this conviction on. Something's happening. And thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face. You know why he fell down on his face? It wasn't just the secrets. It was the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of all. And it caused him to crumple before the Lord. And he's talking to unbelievers, okay? He will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That's really what God wants to release in the church. You know, he don't want to just, I thank God he's released prophecy. But he wants, to re- he wants to release a spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Where people fall on their faces before the Lord and worship him. Okay? And worship Him and love Him. And let me read this one other scripture real quick. Because we don't fear God because we're afraid of God in that sense. We fear Him. That's all because we love Him. We desire Him and His presence does something to us. And it causes us to want to fall down before Him. 
and live before Him and give Him. And let me read this Psalm 25. Man, I've preached a long time this morning, haven't I? <laughs> but we're turning the spigot off soon. Becky said, yeah. <laughs> Who is the man? This is Psalm 25, 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. The Lord choosing. Isn't that awesome? He himself shall dwell in prosperity. Shouldn't we be, oh, Lord, I want to dwell in prosperity. Let the spirit of the fear of the Lord come on me right now. You know? He himself shall dwell in her, And his descendants, his descendants shall inherit the earth. That's powerful. The secret of the Lord. Isn't this powerful? The secret. The hidden things. The secret things that God, are in God's heart are for is, is with those who fear Him. And He shall show them, He shall show them His covenant. His covenant. And when we begin to see the covenant of God, something powerful can really happen in our life. And so I believe when we begin to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to ask Him, Spirit of the Lord, come on me. Come on me. Teach me how to live at rest so you can rest on me. Teach me how to receive the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit, the spirit of knowledge and all of God. I, I really want that. I want to know you like that. I want to relate to you like that. I want my life to, to be embraced like that. I believe when we do that, our lives can be radically, radically, radically changed. Spirit of the Lord, come and rest on this congregation. Bring that spirit of all into our midst. Where when people come, they just fall down on their face. Not because we're up here yelling and shouting or even preaching good or bad or none of that. Because your presence comes on them and their hearts are just, just torn on the inside. I mean torn because God's presence and power is so there, so there that they want to give it all to Jesus. And at that point, you can take up an offering and get all their money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Empty their bank account. I'm kidding. <laughs> All righty. Let's see. The new rule. I had to close this. Mm -hmm. Father, we love you. And we love the Holy Spirit. And we want the Holy Spirit to help us more. We want... Lord, we just want more of you, Lord. Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We... We're thankful people, Lord. We really are. Lord, we are people who don't have anything to complain about. You know, mm, I just want to tell people this morning, here's something. People who want to control everything, you know, you want to try to control everything that's going on around you, you want to try to control your children, you know, you, and I feel like, I feel like God wants us to let go of control. You know, and not try to control things to make us feel good about our lives and make us feel secure. Because that's why people control is that it makes them feel secure. Because when they feel like they can't control it, they feel insecure. And God doesn't want us to feel insecure, but He doesn't want us to have a false sense of security working in our life. And so I really want to ask you this morning about that. Um, because really for the Holy Spirit to really work in your life, you have to let go of control. I'm serious. And it's not a one-time letting go. It, it really isn't. God will come back and remind you like, you know, why are you trying to control that? You know, that's what he does to me. Why are you trying to control that? I thought you said to me you wanted to facilitate what I was doing. You're trying to control it. You're not trying to facilitate it. And there's a big difference. But I'll tell you something. There's liberty in not trying to control. There's liberty. And God will tell you the things. Deal with that. Don't deal with that. Stand up. Sit down. Speak. Be quiet. Let. Don't let. He knows that. He will, he'll talk to you. He'll show you how to do this. He'll show you how to do it. Because God means the best for us, and He knows the best. So I, I really want to ask you this morning, um, and I can stand up to that. If, I, if somebody says, stand up if you suffer with control in your life, I would, I would stand up. But I want to really 
I want to ask you, for you, if you feel like you're a person who, who tries to control, okay, would you just stand up? Because I believe the Lord wants to free you. And I believe He wants to remind you. And that's the Spirit of the Lord coming and touching you. Because He wants to be in control. He wants us to facilitate His mercies, His love, His power on this earth. So, Father, everybody who's standing right now, Lord, I just, I just pray that yoke of control would just be broken off in them in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah. I just pray, Lord, for a greater revelation of the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, Spirit of counsel and might just be released right now on these people, Lord. Spirit of knowledge and the reverential fear of the Lord would just be released. And Lord, we want to humble ourselves to you this morning and ask you to forgive us, ask you to just, like Matthew said earlier, our sins are forgiven. We are just agreeing with you this morning. We haven't always done things the way we should do them. I did want to say this, though. Don't let your past failures be anything but your fertilizer for your future success. That's another Arthur Burt word, but I don't know about you, but I got a lot of failures in my life. I mean, God, I thought, Lord, I have just messed up so many times, and I've messed up some things that just broke my heart. I mean, really, I mean, things that were really important. You know, and you have these haunting thoughts about them where you just feel like, God, I'm so sorry I did that. I can't repent enough. And it's not even just a matter of repentance once you've done it, it's done. But it's letting go of it. And that's part of control. I need to let go of my failures. I need to let go of hurt that I have inflicted on people I have loved the most. And even the ones I've loved, probably not as much. And decisions I've made that have not worked and brought hurt and brought discouragement. I mean, that's part of, that's part of control. And I just believe we have to let go of those things. And let the Lord be our rear guard. And let the Lord take all of that and work in your life for good. That He promised us. He promised us He would do that. That was His promise. And so, Father, I, I just pray, Lord, here we are, Lord. We're, we're stumbling and bumbling through life many times. And, and Lord, we make mistakes out of, out of sincere motives. And, and we make choices sometimes because we believe we're doing the right thing. And then we realize it was wrong. And Lord, Lord, take all that, Lord, and use it for our good today. Use it for our good. Take our failures and use it to promote us. Take all that and accelerate us into the love of God, into the power of God, into the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room, as Jesus says, you will see heaven open. Lord, we claim that today for ourselves, that we will see it. And we will see the angels ascended and descended upon Christ. Lord, you said that. You said it to Nathaniel, and when you were saying it to him, you were saying it to every person who would desire that and who would have ears to hear you say that. And so I ask you for that, Lord. I ask you to release that anointing on people in this room today. And to each one of us, whatever you say, whatever you do, that we would count it as precious in our life. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And I bless you. So, we want the ministry team to come up, as usual, and if you would like to receive, you know, individual prayer for anything, please come up now and let people pray for you, and our goal in praying for people, one, is God will answer the prayer that you have a need for, that's the goal. We want you to walk out the door feeling loved. That's 
that's really what we feel. That you would go, that you would know that somehow God loved me today. God loved on me. Somebody cared about me today. It was God caring through. And so if you want to come up now and we'll pray for you. And otherwise, Lord bless you and keep you and let his face shine on you. In Jesus' name.